In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. It is my great joy and delight to welcome back to the pulpit at All Souls, a man that some of you may have seen from time to time around here. He left these windy plains about three years ago and has been dwelling in the northern reaches of Canada. He's a bit scruffier. Some call him Pastor Pat. We all know him. <laughs> we know and love him as our beloved Rector Emeritus, Father Patrick Wright. Patrick, please come to the right mind would leave Nova Scotia this time of year to come to Oklahoma. <laughs> and then I looked at the proper's readings appointed for this day and said, yikes. <clears throat> it's very moving to be back here. And I can't thank you enough for the condolences and the uh, way so many of you reached out when Father Petley died. And I want to thank you for being the loving community that you are, continuing to be that community, and continuing to be such a faithful witness to the love of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. So now, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, amen. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. In the gospel lesson appointed for last Sunday, our Lord Jesus told us not to be afraid. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The gospel reading for this Sunday seems to be taking quite a different approach to getting our attention, an unsettling approach. In this Sunday's gospel, Jesus tells us he has come to bring fire upon the earth. He adds, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. Is this part of the good news? We need to think carefully about what is being said here. And remember, please, that it is not my job nor the job of any preacher to try to take this passage and somehow make it easier to hear and accept. It's not the duty of a preacher or of a pastor to take the words of our Lord Jesus and smooth off the rough edges so that we have an easier time swallowing what is supposed to be medicine for our soul. I am not here to offer you a spoonful of rhetorical sugar to help this medicine go down. No, I am here, nor am I here as an apologist for Jesus, as if he needs one, offering you merely a saccharine savior as a substitute for the living God who changes us inside and out. Note, first of all, that Jesus says he has come to bring fire upon the earth. 
Fire is one of the oldest elements used in worship. Fire was the principal means by which an offering was given completely to God. Fire was associated with sacrifice. Fire was also associated with purification. Gold was extracted from stone by fire. The Bible speaks of a refining fire in which a vessel is made complete and durable by having all the impurities and and imperfections burned away. The great artist and sculptor Michelangelo famously said that when he was carving a statue of a man out of a block of marble, he saw the man he was carving and simply chiseled and cut away everything in the block of marble that was not the finished product he envisioned. He said, I quote, In every block of marble I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and activity, I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine eyes see it. What we must remember is that God in Christ is preparing for himself a people and that as part of our being called to him, we are also being refined by him until we are shaped and made perfect in attitude and action, the rough walls of our sins, habits, attitudes, fears, and phobias being hewn away by grace so that we may finally appear, finally appear the way he sees us. Remembering this helps us make sense of what seems rather stringent and harsh words in our epistle lesson from Hebrews with that word that Tom Williams enjoyed saying in church. As Jesus suffered affliction before being exalted, so we are to bear our own tribulations and adversity with the knowledge that God's love surrounds every single moment of our lives. Even in the worst of times, when we think ourselves forlorn and destitute, indeed even chastened, God's love is there. It surrounds everything. In the gospel reading, our Lord Jesus goes on to say other things which we might find upsetting. He speaks of families being divided over him. In a family of five, three will be divided against two. We all know that throughout history, families have been divided over any number of things including religion, hatefully, sometimes hatefully divided against each other. And yet I think there's more going on here in this passage than literal division in a family. Jesus may be speaking of that, but I think he's also perhaps speaking of something else, which is why he makes a, play, makes a point of describing three against two and two against three. You see, when we're angry, We prefer that the odds be closer to four against one, or even the vast majority against a few. We like to direct our anger outwards and towards a scapegoat, a common enemy, against whom we may all rally together. As the high priest said about Jesus, it is better that one man die than that the whole nation be destroyed. Yet here in this passage, 
perhaps becomes apparent that our Lord Jesus is describing a situation and a scenario in which there is no scapegoat, no outward sacrificial victim upon whom to direct our anger. We're not allowed to point our wrath at someone outside of us, but instead, instead are called to make that sacrifice within and deal with the frustration causing the anger in the first place. This can cause the sort of internal division of which I think our Lord Jesus is referring to. Perhaps I can explain it this way. You'll understand better the point being made. We each of us, each of us, are a house divided. You know that. The five dwellers within us are perhaps our five senses. Instead of lashing out at anger at people, we must try to deal with what is making us angry within. And this can be a challenging and even a threatening process. And yet this is the walk we are being called to in Christ. When the Bible speaks of God's word as a sharp two-edged sword, it has in mind a gladius, the sword from which the term gladiator comes. It was a slashing weapon designed to sever flesh, muscle, sinew, and bone, cutting at every stroke. The word of God cuts us to the quick and rearranges us inside. This transformation initially can make us feel angry and depressed, like our insides are suddenly being exposed. But God also gives us his spiritual fruit, such as joy and love. And that peace which passes understanding, which means it's a peace which is beyond our ability to describe completely, and yet we know of it. Finally, Jesus tells us that as though that although we see what is going on, we fail to recognize what is happening. How is it that you do not discern the times, he says? We see what is happening, but we do not recognize what is going on. What Jesus tells us is that we have a deviated hermeneutic. I'm proud of that. <laughs> a deviated hermeneutic. Sounds painful, doesn't it? And that's because it often is. Hermes was the messenger god, and to have a deviated hermeneutic just means you are getting the wrong message from what is going on. You're interpreting events incorrectly. Let me give you an example most appropriate to Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City I remember. If you think an amber traffic light means speed up and step on it, <laughs> you have a skewed hermeneutic. If you declare that someone is doing well when they are not, simply because you want them to be doing well, you have a warped hermeneutic. If you see what you want to see instead of seeing what is actually in front of you, you have a wrong, deviated hermeneutic. You can say this to one another. When somebody says something to you that you don't agree with, you can say, I think you've got a deviated hermeneutic there. <laughs> what we need to always remember is that Christ himself is the true messenger 
and the true message. Jesus is the standard against which we against which we measure how well we're seeing things and interpreting reality. Your website says succinctly that all souls' mission is to direct all people to Jesus Christ. It's wonderfully simple and direct. That's really what it all comes down to, keeping our gaze and focus upon our Lord Jesus in every instance of our lives, in the midst of a pandemic, in a world right now that seems so unsettled, and in the joys and in the sorrows of each and every one of our lives. Let us continue with patience in whatever is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who does all the work we have simply to trust in him and follow him. So then this prayer by Catherine Green McCrate, who Bishop Hawkins put me on to earlier this year. May the risen Lord meet you in all the places of your life, in light and in darkness, in plenty and in want, in bliss and in grief. May Eastertide be your joy, the eighth day your hope, and the new creation your dwelling. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Watch out for the deviated hermeneutic. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.